washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let's stand and sing her praises. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His graces? Are you washed in the blood? seem to have a tendency to talk when I come up here. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'll try to get it together here. Philippians 4.13 says, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful we can come together for this time of worship, and what a blessing it is. Lord, we're here together to lift up the name of Jesus, and glad that we can do that this morning. I thank you for everyone who's here, and for everyone who's got just a deep love for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. Please make sure you fill out your connection card for us this morning. If you're online, we ask that you do the same on the number that's on the screen. And at this time, I want you to take three, two minutes and 58 seconds <laughs> to go around and say hello to somebody you haven't seen today.
30 seconds.
morning. This is my thanksgiving. This is my gratitude. This is my praise. That's really beautiful. In the sporting world, a dark horse is used to speak of teams or individuals, individual athletes, who would ex exceed expectations, who would rise way above what they were expected to do. Um, some people feel like they're too old. Some people feel like they're too young. Some people let their past get in the way of them doing something significant in their lives for God. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and because of that, many times we sit back and we'll think, I can't do anything. I'm shackled to my past. I'm shackled because I'm a certain age, either on the lower end or on the upper end. And my hope is, as we start going through this Dark Horses series, that it can encourage us to see that God can use us no matter where we are on that spectrum, no matter what our past was like. The big idea to this whole series is that God uses all kinds of people to accomplish His purposes, including you. Each one of us has different gifts, different strengths, different weaknesses. But if we surrender our, gods, our lives to God... He can do amazing things through flawed people like us. There is not a single person in Scripture that God used that wasn't without flaw. Everyone had their flaws. We all have them. <clears throat> in the second week of our series, we're going to examine the second of six or lesser-known lesser uh, uh, individuals in Scripture as we continue to look at the Dark Horse series. Today's Dark Horse is King Josiah. 
Now, in order to appreciate Josiah, what we have to do is we have to get a little bit of historical context for 2 Chronicles chapter 34. It can be understood by examining the broader historical background of the kingdom of Judah during the time of King Josiah's reign and actually even before that. Josiah ruled the southern kingdom of Judah from approximately 640 B.C. to 609 B.C. He reigned for 31 years. He, he ascended to the throne at age 8. After his father was assassinated, his father was King Am, uh, Ammon, and he ruled for only two years. Now, at this time, the kingdom of Judah was experiencing a lot of political unrest, and they were also going through all kinds of religious turmoil. Preceding the, king, the preceding kings of Judah, especially Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, who, by the way, was the worst king of the southern kingdom, and his father, of course, who, who followed him, led the nation into idolatry and the worship of foreign gods and all kinds of unspeakable things that they did in, in the name of that. They introduced various practices contrary to the religious laws and the traditions of the nation of Israel, including the worship of Baal, Asherah, and other Canaanite deities. And so the nation was a mess. This religious corruption had permeated society and the temple of Jerusalem had fallen into great disrepair. It had been neglected for years, probably for at least 55 years or longer. This is the world that this eight-year-old king inherited. This is the heritage that this eight-year-old king had. But when we look at our message today, one of the things that we're going to notice, I hope, is that God can use someone, anyone, despite their heritage or their background, despite their youth or the lack of youth, to accomplish great things. Josiah gives us an example of what God can do through our lives and why we shouldn't look down on somebody because of their youth, because they're older, or because of their background when it comes to serving the Lord. Everybody should be in play. The big idea to the message today is simply this. God's word is powerful when we apply it to our lives. And God can use anyone, even youth, to display the strength of his word. We're not going to read the entire 34th chapter of uh, 2 Chronicles. I really encourage you when you get some time today to read the whole chapter and actually the whole probably chapter 35 also and into 36 where it deals with Josiah through his death. So this morning, though, we're going to begin with verses 1 through 3 in 2 Chronicles 34. It says this. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what the Lord approved and followed in his ancestor David's footsteps, and he did not deviate from the right or the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, 16 years old, he began to seek the God of his ancestor David. In the twelfth year, he began ridding Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, Asherah poles, idols, and images. <clears throat> so one of the things that we're going to see from this passage is we're going to be looking at moving forward, and not backward. Now, from the first three verses, we exam we're going to examine this concept because it would be easy to let things in the past shackle you. Now, in the first three verses, it sets the stage of the life of Josiah in his pursuit of God. The nation of Israel was a mess. It was horrible, and it was mainly a mess. Why? Because their leaders led them that way. Honestly, that should be a lesson for us today, too. As I conveyed to you in the introduction, things were just going downhill fast. Now, the kingdom of Israel, the nation of Israel was divided after the death of King Solomon around 931 BC. You had the northern kingdom and you had the southern kingdom. Each of those kingdoms had 19 kings. The northern kingdom, all 19 were evil. They were horrible. And by the way, the, 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 the northern kingdom ended in 722 BC when the Assyrians came in and basically wiped them out. That ended. So now we're left with Judah, which was the smaller of the two kingdoms. And the southern kingdom had 19 kings also. It lasted till 586 BC when the Babylonians basically ended them. But in the, those 19 kings, they had a mixture of really good kings, like Josiah, and really bad kings, evil kings, like his grandfather Manasseh, among others. And what would happen is these evil kings would come in and they would lead the people into idol worship, they would lead them into child sacrifices and all kinds of pagan debauchery. It was horrible what was happening. As the time of Josiah approached, he would come in on the heels of two of the worst kings 
in the southern kingdom's history. And by the way, they were his grandfather and his father. Now imagine you're eight years old, or imagine when you had an eight-year-old, that child becoming king of a country and stepping into that mess. I mean, that mess would be a challenge for the wisest of people. But here is Josiah. Many people, when they looked at him, I don't know what they expected of him. Maybe they thought he was just going to be a chip off the old block or say, well, the apple doesn't fall from the tree. And by the way, some of the things that the evil kings did, probably people liked because people love sin. I mean, and those kings let them in it. They're like, hey, we're going to have some fun. And you know, these pagan worship rituals weren't just coming to church and doing what. <laughs> it was nasty. And I'm not going to go into it for, uh, because of you know, trying to be delicate with the subject. But it was horrific, and it was a lot, of, a lot of just bad things. Now, based on age, eight years old, and heritage, on the outside, Josiah doesn't look like he would be a good choice to try to get the nation back on track. He has nothing going for him, everything against him. And I'm sure there was a segment of society, as I said, that enjoyed all the state-sponsored sin, that they, and they'd be okay with it. We see that today. We've got all kinds of state-sponsored sin in this country, and people are just cheering it on, man. It's going, they're having a good old time with it. They don't want it to stop. They don't want it to stop. If God were looking for someone to get the nation back on track, an eight-year-old with a horrible family legacy would hardly seem to be the right person for the job. Despite Josiah's age, despite his background, in the eighth year of his reign, when he's 16 years old now, can you imagine a 16-year-old coming to this epiphany? It, particularly in this day and age, he could, you can't get their face out of the phone, more, much less to get them to think about something. But Josiah began to seek the Lord of his ancestor David. He was, a direct, he was in the direct line of David. He was a descendant of David. Now, we don't know what sparked this. Because here's Josiah, 16 years old, with a horrible heritage. He knew his father probably knew his grandfather maybe although he was pretty young well no actually he probably wouldn't based on the timing but anyway verse 2 tells us that Josiah speaking of his life that he did not deviate from the left or the right in the footsteps of his ancestor and it says father that's a term that's used of ancestor David verse 2 says he didn't deviate from that path so here's an amazing young man with everything stacked against him with everything stacked against him, probably a nation that was even going to be stacked against him for the most part. But moving forward and not backward implies that we don't allow the past to stop us from the great future that God can provide for us. It would have been so easy for Josiah just to fall into that same trap. See, it also means not allowing a bad past or a heritage to get in the way of moving forward. To put it into context, can you imagine after the end of the Second World War having Hitler as your last name? <sighs> that, that'd be rough, wouldn't it? That would be really rough. Well, this is kind of what he's facing, not on the same scale, but the th this is about the same thing. But at age 16, something in Josiah clicked. His journey with God got him on this path to begin cleansing the nation and for the past, uh, the past 55 years of idol worship, pagan worship. And he started doing this when he was 20. So four years into this journey, then he starts clean, cleaning the nation. He's growing. He probably wasn't ready in the beginning. How often have we held back from doing something for God because our past haunts us? Let me tell you something. It was a struggle for me at first. It really was because when I, when I knew what I was like in the past, thinking, man, this is going to come back and bite me one day. God can't use me. And thankfully, people had, had, um, had faith that God could. You know, abusers, they usually come from abusive families. I mean, somebody starts the ball rolling in the family line, but typically an abuser comes from an abusive family. And what happens in those abusive families is one of two things. They can use that past to be a catalyst to continue to be abusive, or they can use that past to say, you know what, I am not going to be that way. And Josiah could have just easily, it would have been so easy for him just to go with the flow. And, you know, this evil, man, it's kind of fun too, and we're going to keep doing this, and, you know, I'm going to be kind of popular this way with, with people, not all of them. 
I don't think much was expected of Josiah when he took the throne. There couldn't have been much expected of him. Josiah was definitely a dark horse. Let's look at verses 14 to 21. It says this. Now, just a little background. What's happened here is, because I'm not reading the whole chapter, Josiah has commissioned some folks to restore the temple. And he's starting this cleansing process of the nation. It's just beginning. So when they took the silver, that, had, and by the way, the silver was used to pay for the project. Also, he had to tax people. That never, you never get away from that. When they took the silver that had been brought out of the Lord's temple, Hilkiah, the priest, found the law scroll the Lord had given to Moses. And Hilkiah informed Shaphan, the scribe, I found the law scroll in the Lord's temple. Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan. Shaphan brought the scroll to the king and reported, your servants are doing everything assigned to them. They melted down the silver in the Lord's temple and handed it over to supervisors and the construction foreman. Then Shaphan, the scribe, told the king, Hilkiah the high priest has given me a scroll. Shaphan read it out loud before the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. The king ordered Hilkiah and Ahiakam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Azariah, the king's servant, go to ask the Lord for me and for those who remain in Israel and Judah about the words of the scroll that has been discovered. For the Lord's great fury has been ignited against us because our ancestors didn't obey the word of the Lord by living according to all that is written in the scroll. So now we have Josiah who's not shackled by his past. He's moving forward, but guess what? He's moving forward, forward with rewards. As Josiah's reign progressed, when he was 20, he commanded that the temple be repaired. Like I said, it had been sitting just in ruin for 55 years or better. 2 Chronicles 34 uh, describes Josiah's efforts to restore the temple in Jerusalem. About six years into the renovation, we're talking about 622 B.C., this is six years after it began, Hilkiah, Hel the high priest, discovered the book of the law, probably referring to the, the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy, and those books, but he found it, he found the scrolls in the temple. This discovery had a profound impact on Josiah at a young age of, he's still about 26 years old at this point. Hilkiah gave the scroll to the scribe Shaphan. Shaphan the scribe read the scroll to Josiah, and when Josiah heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes upon hearing them. The scroll was a further conviction to Josiah that they're in trouble. He heard those words and he said, we are an absolute train wreck. God is going to flame down on us because we have been obeying his law. So what Josiah does is he asks a group of people in verse 20 to inquire to the Lord to see what was going to happen to the nation as a result of their disobedience. In verses, me, in verses 22 and following, he sought the counsel of Hilda the prophetess. And here's what it says in, in verses um, 23 to 28, speaking of the prophetess. This is what the Lord of Israel says. Say this to the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I am about to bring disaster on this place and its residents and excuse me, all the curses that are recorded in the scroll which they read before the king of Judah. This will happen because they abandoned me and offered sacrifices to other gods, angering me with all the idols they've made. My anger will ignite against this place and will not be extinguished. Say this to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek an oracle from the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says concerning the words you have heard. You displayed a sensitive spirit and humbled yourself before God when you heard the words concerning this place and its residents. You humbled yourself before me tore your clothes and wept before me. I have heard you, says the Lord. Therefore, I will allow you to die and be buried in peace. You will not have to witness all the disaster I will bring on this place of the residence. Then they reported, all, reported back to the king. So essentially, the prophetess told the group, to say, go tell Josiah, nation's in trouble. I, my fury, I am so ticked off, I can't see straight. It's not going to get extinguished. They're going to pay for it. But then she says, tell him also that the Lord said, because of your humility, 
Because when you heard the words of the law, because you are seeking me, basically, because you are doing the right thing, because you didn't let your youth and your past keep you on the same path that your family had been on, I am going to let you live. You're not going to see this. It's going to happen when you're not alive. Josiah would live to be 39 years old. In 609 BC, he made an ill-advised attempt to, to interfere with the military campaign against Pharaoh Necho of Egypt. That's a whole other story. I encourage you to read it. It's, it's amazing how God was using this Pharaoh to accomplish something. And the Pharaoh said, hey, Josiah, I have nothing against you. You better get away. But Josiah put on some clothes to disguise himself, decided to go into battle, and he, and he got shot with an arrow and killed. But God kept his promise to Josiah because jo Josiah didn't see the decline of the nation. And despite his efforts, though, which during his life were good, the decline of Judah continued after his death and ultimately led into the nation being basically destroyed by being sent into exile to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. When we move forward with God, we'll do so with blessings. And that's one of the things that we have to understand. God will reward us for our heart and our desire and our willingness to follow him, for our willingness not to let anything stop us, so many people get stopped in their tracks because they're like, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. God can use you. If you submit yourself to God, God will use you in some manner, in some way. Sometimes we think, well, he's only going to use me. You know, if he doesn't use me like a Billy Graham, I'm not worth anything. What's significant is different for each one of us. But the bottom line is whatever God has in store for your life is significant because you never know when you might be that person who influenced the person who would eventually share the word of the Lord with the next Billy Graham type person. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times we look for the great big things and we think if we don't do the great big things where God's not using us, but God's using you every day. The influence is in your life. And Josiah moved forward and he was blessed. God saw what he was doing and God will see the same with you. Let's flip down to verses 31 to 33. This is after the word of the law had been read. This is after some things are happening. And here's what goes on. King stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant before the Lord, agreeing to follow the Lord and obey his commands, laws, rules, with all of his heart and being by carrying out the terms of this covenant recorded in the scroll. He made all who were in Jerusalem and Benjamin agree to it. The residents of Jerusalem acted in accordance with the covenant of God the God of their ancestors. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the areas belonging to the Israelites and encouraged all who were in Israel to worship the Lord their God. Throughout the rest of, the, of his reign, they did not turn aside from following the Lord God of their ancestors. So the other thing is, if we're going to move forward, we need to do so with courage. Josiah was so moved by the reading of the scroll in 621, he's about 26, 27 years old at this point, that he himself personally renewed a covenant between him and the Lord. He agreed to follow the Lord and obey his commands, his laws, and his rules with all of his heart. In other words, Josiah wasn't going to put on a religious exercise. Josiah was committed to following the Lord he wasn't doing it out of a sense of religious duty or out of the fact of anything other than he wanted with all of his heart to follow God. And honestly, even though this is Old Testament, this is so applicable to us today. Why are you following God? Why are you doing what you do in your life? Are you following him with all of your heart because you love him? Or are you following him out of some sense of duty or some sense of religious whatever? Are you doing it because you love God? <clears throat> What you're doing in your life, are you doing it because you love God? Are you doing it with your whole heart? Are you just kind of putting in your time, kind of getting by? Or, it's good enough for church. Or, are you all in? See, Josiah was all in. And so, when you go back to verses 29, starting in verse 29, Josiah, it describes his actions after hearing the word of the law. He gathered the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, he read the book of the law to them. That's what was happening before verse 31. And he made a covenant with God to follow his commands. Josiah removed the idols and all the objects of, of associated with the foreign worship from the temple 
and throughout the land. He was so convicted of this. Josiah wasn't looking to be religious. He was looking to show people that he had a heart for God. His conviction led him to get Jerusalem, all all of Jerusalem, all of Benjamin, to do the same. And verse 32 tells us that all the residents of Jerusalem acted in accordance with the covenant of God. This young man who took the throne at the tender age of eight with a father who was assassinated after a two-year reign, with a grandfather who was undeniably the worst king in the southern kingdom history, he rose above all of that, and he changed a nation. Let's look at verse 33 again. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the areas belonging to the Israelites, encouraged all who were in Israel to worship the Lord their God. And this is what I want us to see. Throughout the rest of his reign, they did not turn aside from following the Lord God of their ancestors. This young man, at a tender age, and even when this is going, he's 20-some years old, leads a nation out of idolatry, out of debauchery, to follow God. And they said they didn't deviate from it. And you think, wow. See, this dark horse far exceeded any expectations of him. I don't think anybody saw when he was eight years old that this is how it was going to result. They figured he'd either get assassinated or he would, you know, just continue on with what he knew. That's what his father did, what his grandfather did. And for Josiah to do what he did took a great deal of courage. See, if you're going to follow the Lord, it takes a lot of courage because the world is going to be against you. They're going to flow against you. Um, I heard something the other day, and I, I, nah, I'm not going to go there. It'll sound too political. I don't want it to sound that way. But it's really sad in our country that Christians are being considered worse than Hamas. Okay? I've heard this from the media. And this tells you where we are today. This tells you where we are today as a nation. So when you're following Christ, you're not going to get cheered. If you're a political leader in our country and you're a Christian, God protect you because they're coming at you with both barrels. We see this already happening It takes a lot of courage to do what's right. See, Josiah, to do what he did, it was going to be difficult because I'm sure there were a lot of people that loved that debauchery. They loved that pagan worship because it looked like a lot of fun for them. And for him to step up and say, no, we're not doing this, took a lot of courage. To get rid of all these pagan worship practices took a lot of courage. Just to break the mold of his family took courage because that's hard to do. It's hard to break away from your past. I admire people that can get past their past because it's not easy. Scripture says a dog returns to its own vomit. Isn't that gross? And they actually do, by the way. Um, But what that says is when times get tough, what we do is we go back to what we know. And it takes a strong individual with a lot of faith to bust past that. See, Josiah had to know what he was going to do wasn't going to be easy. But he did it. And he had confidence because you know who was behind him? God. As you're living your life for Christ, you have to be doing it with confidence, knowing who's behind you. Listen, the way things are going, folks, I I don't want to sound like I'm a crazy person, but there's, there's going to come a time if things don't change, we're going to face some serious persecution. We're getting issues right now, but that's not persecution. That's just people being hard. But there's going to come a time. It's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. The media keeps feeding this narrative. What are you going to do when the pressure comes? Are we going to fold? Are we going to follow the Lord? That's a decision we'll have to make. Josiah's remarkable life teaches us that good examples are not essential to living a righteous and impactful life. In other words, even if we have a bad heritage and bad examples, we can rise above it. We can rise above it. And that's what we're called to do. The historical context of 2 Chronicles 34 reflects the crucial turning point in the religious and the political landscape of Judah. Josiah's reforms were a sincere attempt to restore the nation faithfulness to God and reverse the consequences of idolatry and wickedness that had plagued the kingdom for years. And think about this for a moment. Josiah knew what was coming. He, he didn't know when. He knew it wasn't going to be in his lifetime, but he knew, according to the prophetess, that God was going to take care of, going to wipe them out. 
It would have been so easy for him to say, well, you know what, what's the point? God's going to take us out anyway. He could have just cruised through the rest of his life and been fine. But he didn't. He couldn't because he was, con- because he was committed to following Christ, to following God. And so in our lives, it's really easy. And by the way, folks, this is part of the reason this nation's in a mess. Too many Christians have sat back and said, well, I'm just going to wait for the Lord to return. Hope he comes back soon. In the meanwhile, the nation is crumbling and we're sitting in our pews in churches doing nothing. Because that's eh, going to heck in a handbasket anyway. No. You're a follower of Christ. It's upon you to make a difference. And that's what we're called to do. Josiah could have just sat back like a coward and let his nation continue to go down the path because he was going to be fine when christians quit being selfish and quit looking at themselves and saying well i'm okay and start doing something about what's going on we can make a difference or we can just sit in church and praise jesus and hope the lord returns and just let it all fall apart it's a choice we have to make see one person can make a difference Regardless of background, age, whether they're young, whether they're old, will you be that person? Will you be that person that makes a difference for Christ in your family, in your community, in your state, in your country? Or are you just going to go with the flow? This morning, our praise team is going to come up and lead us in a song of decision. And if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we give you the opportunity to do that. God is a great God. He has done great things so that we could have eternal life through him, through his son Jesus. And this morning, if you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we would love to have you come forward this morning to do that, to, put your, to confess your faith in him, to repent of your sins to him, to meet him in the baptismal waters where your sins are washed away. You're a new creation. You can rise and walk in a newness of life. If you're ready for that today, we offer you that invitation. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. And if you're struggling need prayer, I'd be glad to pray with you this morning or one of our elders, Roger, would. But if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing our song of decision together.
Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus is speaking and he says, Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. We do a lot of judging by appearances. Just this past Tuesday, we did a lot of judging. It was Halloween. And the young people were dressed in uh, costumes that disguised their real appearance. As we looked them over, and we judged their outward appearance. We judged what appeared before us. We didn't look underneath at the real person. My favorite fellow, Mr. Webster, uh, defines a disguise in this way making something appear different than it really is, to make it unrecognizable, to hide or obscure the existence of the real. A couple of things. First of all, we often do what Jesus in John tells us not to do. We judge others, we judge situations, judge circumstances, we judge what has happened, we judge what, we, we judge on what appears to be. Jesus says, don't do that. Secondly, we judge on, we judge others on their disguised appearance. They are good Christians because they go to church on Sunday because they serve, because they dress in a certain way, because they speak in a certain way. Jesus says, don't do that. Sometimes we ourselves are guilty of putting on a disguise before others. We disguise ourselves to appear how we want others to think of us. Jesus says, don't do that. As we come to the communion time, this is where all of our disguises are seen through. God, Jesus, 
see right through what we pretend we are. He looks within, and he sees the real us. He looks upon our heart. He knows what we are in our mind, in our body, in our soul. Here at the communion time at this table, in his presence, the real us is laid bare where we can hide nothing from him. Throughout his earthly life here, what you, say, uh, what you saw was what you got because he never tried to be anything but what he was, God's son and our savior. And on Calvary's Hill and in what, uh, and in what took place there on Calvary's Hill, there we see as nowhere else the real Jesus. One of my favorite communion songs says this, Here, O my Lord, I see thee face to face. Here, O my Lord, I see your love, your care, your willingness to sacrifice, your grace, your forgiveness, here I see the real you, and I thank you for not hiding that real me. Father, we are thankful for revealing yourself to us, not hiding in something that we, some ideas that we might make up about you. We thank you, Father, that Jesus, that he was he is our son, our savior. Help us to be open and above board with him. As we come to the table today, may we remember the real Jesus. On the inside of your bulletin, we have announcements for this week. Um, Operation Christmas Child's having a packing party today at 6. Is that correct? And they're also going to be doing it Monday at 10 a.m. We have all of our Bible studies Wednesday. We have the Thanksgiving dinner coming up next Sunday. 
So there's a sign-up sheet. We ask that you sign up for that. Operation Christmas Child's looking for donations for November, scissors and soap. Um, so make sure you get that in. When do we need to have the boxes returned here? So by November 14th, have your boxes here. Now, I know we're going to get a phone call or two on the 15th about bringing your boxes, but make sure you have them here. It always happens. But Sandy, Sandy will take them. Um, the Spa Nature Walk, they're going to be taking place on the 19th. There's some information about that. Um, they're going to carpool to Ramsey Canyon. Peach's Pantry is looking for turkey donations for Thanksgiving meals. Um, there's information about that. We're going to have our business meeting on December, December 3rd, 4 o'clock. All of our members are expected to come. Anybody else is welcome to come. And also, connection cards. We're going to try not putting them in the bulletin because we're wasting a lot of them. So you're going to find connection cards in the seat in front of you unless you're on the front row and you're going to have to reach behind you and grab one. But um, uh, fill those out. If you are regularly here and there's no changes, you don't necessarily have to fill one out unless you want to. But if you're a guest, please fill one out. If, you're, uh, if you have prayer requests, please fill one out for everybody. And if there's any changes in your contact information, fill those out for us. So they'll be there. We're going to try this for a little while and see how it works. Um, I believe that's all the announcements that we have. So, it, yeah. oh. oh, call and complain to, no, I'm just, uh. Saturday, sunshine ladies are going to meet at Culver's at 11 a.m. for a very good meal, yeah, that's, that's a good place, I hope they stay in business, they sure don't look like they do well, <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, uh, on the back of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns. We want to thank everyone who contributed to the harvest party in, in any way. We, I th we think we, had, we gave out about 186 bags, so uh, that's a little lower than what we normally do, but, you know, it just goes that way sometimes, and plus every, pretty much everybody in town's doing these now. So uh, we're thankful for that. It was a real blessing, and thank you if you helped in any way, because, or even if you just prayed, which is a good thing too. Uh, thank you for that. We have a lot of things we're praying for our special concerns. We continue to lift those up. We have a lot of health concerns for people that we've been praying for. We have troops who are deployed, and some of them who are going to be in the, uh, in the uh, Middle East area where all the action's going on, so we want to pray for them. We want to lift up our shut-ins. We want to pray for Operation Christmas Child. Uh, that is the outreach we've been focusing in on, and Santa on the West End also. And we're praying for uh, all the missions that we support this month. Yes, sorry, it's hard to see you with the light. make sure that gets announced in the second service also all right at this time let's stand together i'm going to give you a moment to lift up your hearts to the lord i'll close this with a prayer as our praise team comes up to lead us oh wait i forgot i have one more thing okay yeah you can see this going okay I'll, I'll i'll have sherry advance these slides we have had we got two flat roofs up here back here we replaced the roofing on the flat roofs a few years ago it's worked great We've had, uh, these other two have not ever been replaced for a long, long, long time. And we've done patchwork on them. So go ahead and go to the next slide. And so what's been happening is water has been getting in. We've, we've taken care of a lot of that, but we need to go ahead and go to the next slide. We need to replace those roofs, which is very expensive. Uh, go ahead and go to the next one. Um, there's a, one of the roofs right there. I think that's the one over here. And there's another one. You can't see a lot from these. And go ahead and go to the next one. Here's what we're seeing in the inside. That is the admin's office. Go to the next one. That is in my office, which took the least of the brunt. And that is um, the admin's office again, the wall. That's Jerry's office. <laughs> so we have contracted to get this fixed. Uh, just so you know, it's gonna cost about 46 grand to replace the roofs and to fix all of the damage. It's got to be done because we don't want our nice building to crumble one day. 
So we are not going to harp on this every week because I hate going to churches that just talk about, we need money, 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 money. God has provided for us very well, but if you would like to help and you can give above and beyond what you normally give to the building fund, just mark some money to the building fund and it'll help us to take care of this expense because this work, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to start, but we are on the docket. So this is going, getting taken care of hopefully in the next few weeks. So if you can help us, great. We're not going to harp on it. We will keep you apprised of the progress on the, on the work and hopefully have some better pictures for you here soon. All right, let's stand together now and we'll do that prayer now. Father, we thank you that we can communicate directly to you through prayer. And Father, I know that there are many of them lifted up here this morning. We know that you've heard them. We know that you'll bring an answer. Father, as we leave this place, I pray that we leave so with joy and conviction and that we're ready to be that person who can make a difference in the world around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for all of you that came out as inspiration last Sunday.